0: The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Right now, though, I want to talk about the fact that 12,000 people spent time on trolleys in our hospitals in November. That is according to figures released today from the INMO, the Irish Nurses and Midwives Organisation. They say it is the highest figure. Ever recorded for November since records began. Mary Rose Carroll is assistant director of industrial relations with the IMO in Dublin, and she joins me now. Uh, Mary Rose, wh- why so high this November? Do you suspect?
1: Oh, look, we're we're experiencing an unprecedented crisis um, within the hospitals, and particularly with regard to ED figures. Um, look, it's no surprise to us that this is happening. We've seen it coming down. We've seen it coming down the road we have lack of capacity within the hospitals, there aren't enough beds. And what we're really seeing, particularly now for the first time ever, is the number of children that we're seeing on trolleys in hospitals, up to 40 per day. And we've seen over 500 um, over that since the beginning of the year. This has never happened before.
0: And what does that mean for your members, Mary Rose? In terms of their working day and their working environment and their working conditions?
1: Well, look, for our members, our members have worked through COVID um, and now they're in a situation like this where the hospitals are chronically overcrowded um, and it's very, very, very difficult for them. Um, In real terms, I suppose they're worn out, um, they're experiencing burnout um, and in a lot of places they just speaking about their intention to leave, that they can't continue like this. And where we particularly see it is with regard to our North managers. We see it in the ED department, one particular ED department, where there's no senior nurse manager. She's resigned. A um, l- number of the shift leaders have resigned. And it's simply because it's unsustainable.
0: And when you say it's unsustainable, I mean, in what way... Can the government and the HSE, if they can at all, turn this ship around between now and Christmas, for example?
1: Well, look, I think the first thing they have to do is actually acknowledge there is a crisis. And then what they have to do is actually take immediate, ener- immediate action. And in the first instance, if we look at the scheduled care, at this point, we're going to have to acknowledge that our hospitals can't cope with both, both emergency care and non-emergency care. The first thing that needs to be done is that we need to be getting in contact with the uh, private hospitals and a lot of the scheduled care needs to move there. That will create capacity. And it's not as if it can't be done. It's been done before. Um, We've had that through COVID. I think that's the first thing. Mm. I think the second thing we need to be looking at is really from the point of view of particularly urban centres. And I don't just mean Dublin. I'm talking about all of the other major cities and places like NACE, Tullamore, etc. That's where nurses cannot provide get accommodation, and I think in the short term we need to be subsidising accommodation for um, all essential workers if we if we're going to keep places staff.
0: Um, now, now th- sorry, just th- those private hospitals you mentioned, I mean, they're not lying idle. There's scheduled care happening in them and scheduled procedures all the time. So, I, I, like a consequence of what you're suggesting, it might. Relieve some of the pressures on the emergency departments and on the trolley front, but it will inevitably lead to people getting phone calls from those private hospitals over the next few weeks and months to say, "Listen, I know you were scheduled, but that can't happen now because we're absorbing stuff from the public system."
1: Look, um, I, look, there are a number of private hospitals that we've done this before. We're actually in a crisis situation at the moment. We're looking at situations where we have 40 50 70 80 patients on trolleys and trolleys in hospitals mm. that isn't safe it's not sustainable we can't you know continue with that situation so something has to be done um, to solve that problem and look and this isn't the, the short term and the long term but in the longer term we've a massive dependence on overseas recruitment and if we look at our figures for the last year say for the NMBI in Ireland we registered almost 3,000 nurses from overseas and we only register about 1,500 from home. We're going to have to do something in the long term about that, um, particularly in relation to increasing the numbers of undergraduate Mm -hmm. nurses being trained. And at a conservative level, you would have to double that number. And bearing in mind, even if we double that number next September, it'll be four years before any of those nurses are qualified. So it's a really, real crisis we have ahead of us, and we really, really need to take yeah. action around
0: that. Let, let, let me introduce Mick Malloy, who's a consultant in emergency medicine, as well as a member of the IMO's uh, consultant committee. Uh, Mick, you're very welcome to the programme. To what degree is this, Mick, just the kind of perennial problem rearing its head, or is the situation really and noticeably deteriorating year on year?
2: Well, I'll refer you back to the uh, the music you started this segment piece with, Kieran, the the Thriller album from the 80s. And the the problems we have today relate to the swinging cuts of the 80s where the bed capacity in the hospital system fell from 18,000 to 10,000. And we've struggled around that level since. Now, we've a little bit of swings up and down to a couple of hundred here and there. But the population has dramatically increased the elderly population has dramatically increased. So we're looking at a bed capacity which cannot keep up with what's happening. Uh, I'm not sure, Kieran, when you started this piece, whether you mentioned about the trolley figures that are published by the HSE. But those are a gross underestimate mm. of the number of additional overcapacity patients in hospitals because they don't count patients who are in housed in the acute medical unit, daycare units, surgical discharge lounges which means those spaces can't operate for what they were originally meant to do, meaning we're displacing day case activity, we're displacing day surgery activity, we're displacing acute medical unit daycare activity, and we're replacing it with the acute bed capacity patients who've been admitted and are over capacity through our emergency departments. If you look at the emergency departments themselves, Ciarán, most of them have bed numbers from... Uh, 10 ranging up as far as 24 spaces. But these, these hospitals are accommodating two to 300 patients a day through those beds in the emergency department. And one of the common things we hear and one of the common complaints is how can you send X patient home at 2 o'clock in the morning or 3 o'clock in the morning? But if we don't send them home, we have no place to see mm. the next patient because there's such a demand on a 24-hour basis for hospital spaces right now.
0: Mick, we'll use a kind of a medical metaphor. It's fitting here. I mean, if somebody presents to you or your colleagues, you do two things. If they have a problem, you'll treat the symptoms and the cause. So what is the treatment for the symptoms here and what is the treatment for the cause?
2: So, okay, the the, the, the treatment for the symptoms right now is we have to use whatever available bed capacity there is. The issue about using the capacity in the the private hospitals, trying to do that, is they're also busy. As you said yourself, they're, they're, they're not idle. So there isn't spare capacity in those. There have been multiple reports for 20 odd years going back to when the current Taoiseach was the Minister for Health talking about adding bed capacity into the system. There's also been suggestions in the more recent years of adding bed capacity which is protected so that they would have elective only public hospitals. So those patients would never get displaced because there would never be a bed challenge in those particular hospitals that they can you know when somebody has hernia surgery or vein surgery or abdominal surgery, they're going to be in for three days, four days, seven days depending on what the procedure is and you can book your beds on that basis. At the moment that can't be done so those patients are being left uh, sit uh, and wait. So right now From the symptoms perspective, we're using whatever capacity we have. And at some points, we're actually treating people in corridors. We're having to examine people in cupboards um, Mm. because there's physically no space to examine people left. And some people are being left on trolleys overnight in the emergency department. In the worst cases, they're actually being told you have a chair, a chair, a plastic chair, and and that's your space. Um, Hold on to your space because there's physically no space left. Um, so if we don't get the capacity, if you look at what happened in China during the pandemic, they built a thousand bedded hospital in 10 days. Granted, it wasn't at the standards we would expect from building, but it can be done very quickly if the will is there um, we can build modular units and plug them together on site in various hospitals. But a lot of the hospitals around the country need urgent capacity increases to be able to accommodate patients right now, not tomorrow,
0: not next week, but right now. Mick Malloy, consultant in emergency medicine as well as member of the IMO Consultant Committee and Mary Rose Carroll who is Assistant Director of Industrial Relations with the INMO uh, in Dublin, thank you both very much uh, for joining me here on the show one listener pointing out that their partner is a theatre nurse with 20 years experience has taken a 600 euro per month pay cut in her salary simply to escape from the mayhem of the Irish health system